Thank you for joining us. This is Salt and Light Baptist Church, and I am Pastor Justin Walker. We're glad to have you here today. We're going through the book of Genesis. It's a book of foundations, not only the foundations of God's Word, but the foundations of the entire world in which we live. And we see Genesis divided into two major sections. The first is in the first 11 chapters. It's the creation of the world. It's the fall of man. It's the global flood of Noah. It's the dispersion where men are scattered abroad across the earth. And then the Bible will zoom in in chapters 12 through 50, the Bible zooms in the stories into Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. And so grab a Bible and come along with us today as we continue our study through Genesis. All right. Thank you, Sherry. Grab a Bible and turn it open to Genesis chapter 16. I make a better preacher than I do a drummer. So, okay. Grab a Bible and turn it open to Genesis chapter uh, 16. Yeah, <laughs> we'll make that thing. Jason, it's your fault. No, I'm kidding. That's terrible. <laughs> okay, Genesis chapter, he's not going to come back now because what I said. Genesis chapter 16 is where you want to be. Uh, we'll do the whole chapter today. Have you ever picked up a baby at the wrong time? I, I have picked up my own children. You know what I mean by picking them up at the wrong time, right? They look so cute and they're looking all happy and you pick them up and then you realize... I got to change him because <laughs> I'm the one who picked him up. <laughs> and so I, I won't name which child because I don't want to embarrass them. But I, one time I had an uh, experience like this. I, well, probably more than once. In, but, but this one, this was one experience you'll never forget. And so I, uh, I reached down. I scooped up one of my children who was uh, looking so cute. And I realized it was the wrong moment. And Sarah said, oh, I'll get it. And, and I never want to be that dad. Like, I want to be present and I want to be, I want to be helpful. And so I said, no, 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 I got it. And she said, no, he's been, he's been bad lately. And I was like, no, Sarah, I got, what is it? I'm, I'm dad, I can do this. Like, don't, don't challenge her. I can, I can handle this. And, and so I got the child upstairs and I put him down on the changing table and, and I opened up his diaper and realized I didn't grab a diaper on the way to the changing table. And it was about, 10 feet away is the shelf. And so, like a dummy, I left the diaper open. And I turned around and I grabbed diaper number, the diaper I'm going to change him to, and I turned around with clean diaper, and he wasn't finished. And, and he's kicking his little legs, and he kicked all through it. And in a panic, I grabbed his legs, and I tried to, like, lift his legs up, and then I realized I forgot the wipes. I'm not making that up. And I'm like, ah. Uh. And so I turn around and I grab the wipes only to realize I, I didn't have one hand. I had two hands and I'm making a mess and I'm trying to pull the wipes out and there's stuff on the wipes and there's stuff on the table and there's stuff on the baby. And there's and I look down and it's on my belly, like where I was leaning. And it was every, and I just remember this. I just remember I said, Sarah, <laughs> she, and then she, she knows what I'm going through. I know she knew it. And she goes, what? <laughs> help, get up here. <laughs> I'm about to die. I'm going to drown. I don't know what's happening. And so Sarah, had to, I could not get out without help. I was, I'm telling you, I was done. I needed, I needed some help to get out of where I was. I was, my, my mindset was really to help Sarah. Like I, that was my goal. I'm going to help her. And, and in return, I just made a huge mess. Today, I want to show you a group of people that decide they're going to help God with his plans. Let's look at it together. This is Genesis chapter 16. Let's look at how they try to help God to, to spur on his will. Genesis 16, and we'll start in verse one. You got it? All right. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. 
And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, see, now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. And so he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. So Sarai said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. You gave my maid, uh, excuse me, I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. I'm in verse seven, if you're lost. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore, the well was called Berla Haroi. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram named his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer and see what he has for us. Heavenly Father, we're going to turn to you and we beg you. Father, I don't just ask, I am begging you to open up your word. And we see the stumbling block for Abram and Sarai. And before I go back and read verse one again, remember that, that Abram actually tried this himself last week. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we had the war five against four and then Abram had to save his nephew Lot, rescue his nephew Lot. And so Abram goes in and rescues his nephew Lot. And then at, directly after that in the last chapter, remember that Abram was down. he had had that big mountaintop experience, but then he was down and God came to Abram and said, don't fear, Abram, I am your, I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. And remember what Abram's reply to the Lord was? What, what inheritance are you gonna get? Identical. Look, look what she does in chapter 16. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian handmaid, uh, maidservant, whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, see, now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. See, Abram said in last chapter, he said, is it Eleazar? Is he going to be the heir? And God said, no, it's you, Abram, but there's years. We see this in, in few verses and we start, to, we start to just see like little short amounts of time. For Abram, he was called out of, out of the land of Ur. 
He was called out of his people when he was 75. The promise is being made to Abram when he was 75. We read by the time we get to the end of the story, he's 86. There's been 11 years that he's been hanging on to this. By the way, hanging on to it as a 75-year-old man, God's promised me there's going to be an heir. There's going to be an heir. There's going to be a child. How's there going to be a child? They're getting so old. He's, He's 86. And Sarah has an idea. I know what we'll do. I've got a handmaid. Abram, why don't you take my handmaid as your wife? Maybe the heir will come through her and I could kind of be a surrogate mother. She'll, she'll have the baby and it'll, be, and it'll be our heir if she has the baby. Do you see the problem with what she's doing? She's stepping in and trying to take the place of what God has promised. Well, let me help God along with that promise. He's made a promise to my husband, Abram, that there's gonna be an heir. Let me try to, let me try to get God to do what he said he was gonna do. By the way, when I say it that way, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If you need to try to get God to do what God said he was gonna do, that's not, there's not a whole lot of faith there, is it? Do, do you see what I'm saying? So here's Sarah trying to, to goad the situation. Let's get this moving. We're getting so old, we're not gonna, soon enough, Abram's not gonna be able to have any kids. So we're, we're running out of time here, Abram. Let's, let's speed this thing along. Let's help God out. Take my handmaid. Well, Abram, he's not innocent in this. Everybody's, everybody's wrong in this story. Abram heeds the voice of his wife. She has a young Egyptian handmaid and she says, why don't you take her as a wife and, and she could have an heir and Abram goes, okay. I know, that's, don't, don't be mad at me for being disrespectful, but Abram's a guy, he's a dude and I know dudes and he was, he's, he, okay. I mean, if that's what you want, honey, I mean. So Abram, did you get, I mean, that's what it says, doesn't it? Am I wrong? It says that, that she said, maybe the Lord, uh, see the Lord's restrained me from bearing the children. Please go, uh, bearing children, please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain a child by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. And Hagar's not innocent in this either. So notice this. Look at verse three. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his concubine. What's it say in yours? To be his wife. You know, there's always this, I read the commentaries. I love reading commentaries. They're very good and I appreciate them. But there's always this kind of like, let's feel sorry for Hagar like she had no say in the matter. But you do realize that Hagar in this particular case, you never see her argue. You never see Hagar protest. You never see, and you would say, well, she's a woman and she's a slave back in ancient times. Abraham, as you can sit, tell, he treats his, his servants pretty well. He was ready to give his, his uh, heir, he, he was ready to give all of his inheritance to Eleazar, his one servant. He, he's loved his servants. And here's Hagar and she's the servant. And you do realize that if Hagar marries Abram, now she's Abram's wife. She's being elevated from the position of slave to wife of Abram. And mind you, Abram's rich. He took 300 and some guys of his own men that were trained at his own house. He's got camels and he's got cattle and he's got land. I mean, he's a rich dude and he's gonna marry this little slave girl. He says, okay. And so do we see Hagar protesting? No, Hagar, she, she not only doesn't protest, look at what happens. Look, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the, the, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And Abram dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. And so he went into Hagar and she conceived. Plan worked. I heard it wisely said, I thought this, I thought this was clever. It's not mine, but I don't remember who said it. But I remember somebody saying that, uh, 
that your will, when you try to impose your will instead of God's, you will either fail miserably or succeed even more miserably. And here's Sarah and Abram with the plan. That's it. She's young. She can have children. Abram, you take Hagar as a wife. Hagar's like, cool, I'll be, I mean, hey, better than being a servant. And so she marries Abram. Now she's going to be the wife and it worked. Only his wife, she's married to him. Now she's pregnant. Good job, guys. Because look what happens. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Hagar starts the fight. I mean, by the way, they were all wrong and that's what caused it. But you do see that that's what, ha- that's what that means. Hagar gets mad at Sarah. But I, I would say probably rightfully so. More than likely, she's having morning sickness and Sarah's probably going, hey, I still need, you still need to go draw water today. So Hagar's getting mad at Sarah, and now they're, now they're fighting in the midst of it. Do you notice that in this story, everybody is wrong? They all did wrong. Sarah's idea was wrong. Her lack of faith was wrong. Abram, Abram not being the spiritual leader in his house, which we'll get to in a moment. He was being wrong. Hagar was wrong. I remember being a boy, and I got a couple of brothers, and, and my brother and I were going to, listen, don't be mad at me for this, okay? But boys fight. And my brothers and I... We were going to have a fight, and we wanted to know who was going to win the fight, my, myself or my brother Chris. Now, just to put this out there, my brother now wouldn't mess with him. But then we were like eight years old, and my parents, I don't know why they did it, but they bought us boxing gloves. And we had, I had a blue pair, and my brother had a red pair of boxing gloves. And so we were going to put on the boxing gloves, and we wanted to know who was going to win because the fight was about who would win in a fight. That's, <laughs> yeah. So we went and got my dad's news camera 10 camera. You know what I'm talking about? One of these, it's like 1990. And so the camera was huge. We went and got my dad's camera and we're going to film ourselves fighting so we can judge who wins the fight when it's over. Because we were saying like the last fight, I won the fight. He said he won the fight. We were going to prove it. So we're going to tape it. So we did. We got the, I'm talking like big cassette tape and we taped our fight. And like a month later, my dad calls us in the room. Boys. And we come in the room and he is standing. You remember those wood console TVs, like the, the wood structure television that sit on the ground? My dad's standing there with his hand on the TV and he's got that tape in the VCR. And there we are, it's paused. And there we are on the screen with boxing gloves on. Oh. So we're, we're standing there with our heads down. My dad starts playing the video of us having a fight. And by the way, we're verbally fighting about who's going to win the fight as we're physically fighting with our boxing gloves on. And so we're going on. And my oldest brother, Matt, He's a few years older. He goes, well, guys, y'all in trouble. He's 10 years old, like 10, maybe 11. He goes, you guys are in trouble and tried to salute and walk. I remember him like that. And he goes to walk out and my dad goes, why don't you stay? And my brother Matt turns around about that moment and he looks, he's holding the camera and he waves in the mirror in the bedroom and then turns back around. We were all wrong. I want you to to know this. Listen to what I'm about to tell you this. We're all wrong. All of us. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. We come to a story like this and it's real easy to try to say, well, Hagar, she was a servant. She didn't have a choice. Or, well, Sarah, she was, she was you know, getting concerned and she's only trying to help. Can I say something to you? I want you to really hear this. God doesn't need your help. 
And what we're going to see next is this, the more we try to help, the more we try to get involved with what God's work is, and we try to goad him along. I'm not saying work for the Lord. I'm talking about try to, try to get him to do what he's promised to do. The more we just mess stuff up. Look, everybody tries to fix it now. Verse five, Sarai said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. Come on, Sarai. <laughs> Did you catch that? Am I the only one that read that correctly? She recognizes what she did was wrong. Did you read it that way? Then Sarai said to Abram, you did wrong. No. She didn't even say, how could you? Do, do you see where she admits it? My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. The fighting, oh, the, I can't imagine the fighting that's happening in this household right now. Sarah's asking Hagar to do the regular things that Hagar's supposed to do. Hagar doesn't want to do them. She's looking with, with uh, displeasure at, at Sarah. She's probably huffing and puffing. I don't know how old she is. Maybe she's even a teenager at this point. She could have been 18 or 19 years old. Can you imagine her like rolling her eyes or getting snotty about having to do her daily chores? And so Sarah and Hagar are fighting. And then somehow, I'll bet at one point, Abram probably made the mistake. He probably tried to get between the two of them. Then he didn't do that anymore because look what happens next. Look, Abram decides he's going to fix it. How's he going to fix it in verse six? Abram said to Sarah, to Sarai, indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. You see, all three of them are trying to fix it. Look at Abram. How's Abram going to fix it? Abram says, you do it. It's your, your handmaid. Hey, Abram, you had a stake in this, Bubba. You, you should have said that. You should have said no like a month ago, two months ago. You, your time to say, to say you're out of it is, is past. You're in it, Abram. But Abram says, no, you do to her whatever you want to do to her. Guys, can I just talk to you for just one second? We won't even pass the plate a second time for this. This is just good info for you. You need to be the spiritual leader of your home or your wife will try. Did you hear what I said that last part? You need to be the spiritual leader of your home or your wife will step up and do it for you. Right. Here is Abram and he has an opportunity. He made the mess and now his way to fix it is, his first way was to agree with her. Now he says, Sarah, do, do to her whatever you want. She's your maid. My reply to Abram right now is she's your wife. You married the girl. Now, we're not promoting marry, multiple marriages or polygamy. We're not, we're not promoting that. What I'm saying is in that time in ancient culture, here's this ancient guy who married a second wife. She's your wife. And Abram said, Sarah, you just do whatever you want. He just tries to back out of it. I'm not, I'm not going to take a stance. I'm going to tell you something else, especially for, you, for us men. No stance is a stance. You can try to pretend, and we're going to talk about some cultural things here in a second, but you can try to pretend that you're going to take no stance, but your no stance is a stance. Abram says, Sarah, do to her whatever you want. She's your maid. So what's Sarah do? What's Sarah's reaction? How's she going to fix the problem? I'm going to treat her harshly. I'm going to work her into submission. She doesn't want to listen to me. She wants to get snotty with me. I'll give her more. Maybe she doubled up her workload. Here she is, a pregnant girl. I don't know how Sarah treated her harshly, but what I, can, what I do know is that there's a pregnant girl named Hagar and Sarah decides the way to get Hagar back in line is to treat her bad. So maybe she doubled up her work. I know you got sick this morning. I don't care. Get the clothes washed. 
By the way, we got some extra ones in there. We went ahead and got some of the other servants. We got their clothes and threw them in. You can wash those too. And she starts treating her badly. So what's Hagar's fix? She runs off. Now, how's that going to help Hagar, by the way? You're in the ancient world. You're a pregnant woman. Now you're away from your husband. And she runs off on her own. Do you see that the more they, they the, the, the further they go, the digger they the, the deeper they dig this hole. You take her. You do what you want with her. She treats her harshly and then Hagar runs off. No matter what they do, do you understand they can't fix this? The, the, the problem is too far for them to fix. They're the ones that caused the problem, but now it's too far. for. What are you going to do now? Abram, she's pregnant with your child. Sarah, what are you going to do? She's pregnant with his child. Y'all cause this mess. Will everybody listen to me? We're no better right now. We've caused the mess. And everything that we try to do to fix the problem, we're just digging our hole deeper. I'm gonna use the culture, but know that we can talk about your own personal life and it would be the exact same story. Okay, this is just one application because it's in our face all the time. But we see this all politically right now, don't we? Every, every political side thinks that they have the answer. And has anybody noticed that neither political side has been able to fix anything in a long time? Am I the only one noticing that? Have, are we noticing that just like what happened with Sarah, Sarah had the same idea that Abram had. Maybe it's my servant. Have we not noticed that all the people who keep trying to fix everything continue to do the exact same thing over and over and over? Am I the only one noticing that? I'll use some examples and you can put them together for yourself. Is it not funny that people who don't want a wall set up their own area and then put a wall around it? No, I mean, but I'm right, right? I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? Isn't it funny that we have a group called, that their name is, literally means anti-fascist, but yet everything they do is fascist? Is it funny to anyone else? Not funny in a funny way, but funny in like a strange way. Is it strange to anyone else that, that what we have right now, everyone thinks that the fix, if, if we're not paying attention, do you not notice that they're all going right back to Marxism? Hasn't that been tried? I mean, am I the only one who recognizes that the socialist agenda is getting shoved down our throats? Now, we're, we're couching that in some real pretty names, but am I the only one that recognizes we're doing the exact same thing over? We've done this. Maybe not America, but we know some people who have and they're not America and you don't really want to be there. By the way, for you all who are like, what's Marxism? Let me just help you real quick, real easy. You ready? Marxism leads to communism. That's how it goes in that successive order. And if you think I'm wrong, you need to go look that up. You need to go read the Humanist Manifesto for yourself. I, well, I'm, I'm going to get it wrong. I know I am. But what did Karl Marx say? Didn't Karl Marx come out and say that, that religion is the opium of the people? Isn't that how yeah, opium of the masses, yeah. Uh, Karl Marx said, religion, God. You have to, to be a Marxist. What was one of his ways to, to be a Marxist? Get rid of God. And you know how he said it? He said, it's opium. Our religion, our faith is opium. It's a drug. It's fake. It's not real. Now, do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? The world has been saying, hey, we can fix this. We can fix this. How can we fix it? Well, we'll can, I, can, I, can I get political? Yes, yes I can. Good, because you're here. <laughs> and wait, I mean, you can leave if you want. I'm not holding you, but I'm still on the stage. So do, am I the only one that recognizes that we're all saying, here's one problem and how are we going to fix it here? Here's free stuff. I know. Oh, I know. That was quiet. That was real quiet because I was right about that one. Am I, not, am I telling the truth? Have we not been trying this here? Here's free stuff. Does it fix it? 
We're trying the same thing over and over and it never fit. Here, here's more free stuff. Still mad. Here, here's another program. Still outraged. Still got, and by the way, can I say another one? Here, here's free stuff. We still got problems. I don't know. I don't know. Call me crazy. And maybe this is why we're going to have a special on Wednesday night. But maybe, just maybe, what we need to try is not the same thing we've been trying, but maybe what we need to do is give it over to the Lord and trust the Lord for, because it was the Lord who made us great to begin with, and it's the Lord who'll do it again. Do we understand? That's the problem. It, everything that Abram and Sarah could do is going to, they're going to be wrong. They can't get this right. It's just going to be the same thing over and over. They're just going to keep digging the hole. Look at what finally ends up happening. Hagar runs away and now I'm in verse seven. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. And the angel of the Lord, he, and he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? Now, everybody give me your attention because some of you are gonna be shocked by this and others of you already know it, but you need to hear it from me. This here, this angel of the Lord is none other than Christ himself appearing in the Old Testament. Now you say, wait a minute, if this is Christ himself appearing in the Old Testament, why is he called the angel of the Lord? How come it's not an angel? Well, the answer to that question is kind of twofold. But number one, understand that the guy writing this book, his name is Moses. And Moses, who comes up later in the book of Exodus, one more book further, Moses, who's writing this book, Genesis, he didn't know Jesus's name. And when we translate the Bible, we don't try to interpret it. We try to translate it. Moses wrote the angel of the Lord. And so because he was writing that in Hebrew, when we've translated it, we're keeping those terms, the angel of the Lord. Now you say, why are you saying that that's Christ? I'll tell you why I'm saying it's Christ. Can anyone else do besides Christ? Can anyone else do what this angel just promised to do? Look a little further. He said, Where you, where'd you come from? Where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai, the angel of the Lord, who I'm telling you is an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress, submit yourself under her hand. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. Can anyone else give life? Can an angel give life? Interestingly enough, can an angel tell the future? You ever thought about that? We like to think of spiritual beings. We always seem, seem to think that they somehow can tell the future. You know, angels, they can't tell the future. Can an angel know? Can, even if that angel was to say, I will protect you, you go back to Sarah and I'll protect you and make sure that your baby's safe. Could the angel know you're gonna be a great multitude? No, this angel of the Lord is Christ in the Old Testament. That's what we're seeing. And here is our Lord. Check this out. I'm gonna go back to verse seven. Now the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness. Hmm. And look at verse eight. He said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from? Where are you going? The angel of the Lord went and sought her out. Now, listen, I know I said that they were all wrong and we're all wrong. We are, we are all sinful and we can't make it better on our own but do you understand that the angel of the Lord sought her? This is the first time you ever see that in the Bible. Think about that. The angel of the Lord, who did he go to? He went to a little slave girl who was trying to make her situation better by marrying another, another lady's husband. And this is who the Lord appears to. He sought her out. 
he went and found her. Where's she gonna go? Well, I told you earlier, she's a slave girl in an ancient world who doesn't have a husband with her and she's pregnant. She gonna go back to Egypt? Is that gonna be safe for, for little Hagar? Come on, that's not safe for this girl. So she's out in the wilderness. She doesn't know what to do. She's probably upset. She's pregnant. She's probably emotional. Here she is by herself in the wilderness. I guarantee you she's crying because I've had a pregnant wife. She's crying. And the angel of the Lord sought her out. My daughter, as I wrote this, and I'm not making this up, during this moment when I'm writing this part of the sermon, it was Monday evening, and my youngest daughter's learning how to ride her bike without her training wheels. She's doing so good. She's been scared of her bike, and now we got training wheels off, and she's going up and down the driveway without her training wheels. And I'm sitting in the chair, and I'd see her go by, and I'd see her go by, and I'd see her go by. And all of a sudden, she stopped, and I look out, and sure enough, her bike, the moment I looked out, I'm writing this portion of the sermon, I look out, and her bicycle topples over, and her her pedal catches her leg on the gravel driveway and she's stuck under the the pedal on the gravel driveway and so in a panic she ripped her leg out from under the pedal on top of the gravel what do you think i did i went running i got i've told you all before about my room addition there's a 75 foot stinking hallway i ran down that hallway i think my watch was like i detect running i'm like going out i was gonna i'm gonna catch her i'm running out as fast as i can run out that door because i saw that bike pin her down and you know what i knew my daughter was hurting and so i sought her out i didn't wait for her to come in with the bloody leg i didn't sit back and just watch when i saw she was hurting i went running will you listen to this God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here we are hurting. Here we are digging our hole deeper. And you know what God says? He doesn't say, well, you like your hole so much, stay. No, God says, I'm, I'll run to you. Just like the story of the prodigal son, he literally ran to us. He sent his own son, Jesus, to us to get us out of the hole that we can't get out of. Here's Hagar by herself crying in the wilderness with nowhere to go. And the angel of the Lord comes to her. Thank you, Lord, that you're willing to come find us when we're hurting. And so he seeks her out and he says, you got to go back. By the way, I do want to tell you that when you get to the point that the Lord seeks you out, I know that the stories are wonderful and, and we hear about me going and helping my daughter off her bicycle, you know, out from under a bicycle or whatever. But you do know that sometimes the Lord asks you to do things you don't want to do. Remember, he, he calls it taking up your cross and following him. And so he goes to this girl, Hagar. Let's finish up the story. I don't even know what time it is. I don't care. I'm a little late, but you all don't want me to quit, do you? We, we want to finish it. Let's finish it up. Look, look, look. So Hagar, she's run off. The angel of the Lord said to her in verse nine, return to your mistress, submit yourself under her hand. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael. Are you paying attention to the story? Who's speaking? The angel of the Lord, Jesus, our, our savior, speaking to this girl, Hagar says, you're with a child and you need to name him something. What are you gonna name him? Ishmael, you can say it out loud, it's okay. Ishmael, you name the child Ishmael. Now look, look what happens. So he goes on and says, he'll be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand will be against him. And by the way, you do know that this is where the, the Muslim nation came from, this guy named Ishmael. And history has proven this is exactly true. 
Now that's, don't be mad at me. Do not come to me and call me a racist or something. That's not me being anything other than honest of the situation. This is where the Muslim, we can trace it through the Bible. This is where the Muslim nations came from. And they have been in, in war for as long as we've known them. Since then, they, God said there'll be a, he'll be a wild man and every man's hand will be against him and his hand will be against every man. Verse 13, look at this. She called the name of the Lord who spoke with her. You are the God who sees. For she said, I have also here seen him who sees me. Therefore, the well was called Be'er Lahoroi. Observe it is between Kadesh and Bered. Now in verse 15, check this out. So Hagar bore Abram a son. Hagar did what the angel of the Lord said. She went back. She had to submit to what God was telling her. Go back, go back to your hand, go back as, as a servant of Sarah, go back and be under, the, under their leadership. You have to go back. Sarah didn't, or Hagar didn't want to go back, but she did what God had told her to do. She recognized that she'd encountered the Lord and she had to submit to him. She's not the only one who has to submit though. Look, look, Hagar bore Abram a son. Now read this real carefully with me. And Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Who did the talking earlier? Jesus. Who was he talking to? Hagar. But now look, when we get to the end of the story, who's naming the child Ishmael? Abram did. Abram had to submit to what God said too. Hagar went back. You don't think it was weird when Hagar went back, she shows back up? Don't you think at that point, Abram and Sarah could have been like, you've caused enough trouble in our lives. Why don't you go back to wherever you ran off to? Why don't you go back there? But they didn't. They had to submit as well. And Abram has to let her back in. And by the way, Sarah does as well. Sarah has to be willing to let Hagar come back in. And then they said, what are you doing? What what are you doing here? And she probably tells them the story of how she met the angel of the Lord. And she says, the angel of the Lord said, I'm I'm with the child. And there's going to be a great multitude, a great nation that's going to come for me. And I need to name him Ishmael. And when she has the child and he's born, Abram names the boy Ishmael, just like God had said. Friends, let's just end here today with you have to submit when God calls. Yes, yes, God runs to you. He comes for you. He has already come. He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, placed in a tomb. He was dead. They didn't just think he was dead. He's dead in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again from the grave. And then even a little later, he ascended to the Father. And the Christ that we worship, he's not on a cross. That's why we don't wear a crucifix with Jesus on it because he's not on that. Jesus was in the tomb. He rose from the dead. He ascended to the Father and he's there even today, alive and well, making intercession for us. But you have to submit to his call. His call is for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The call is for you, literally for for all of us. By the way, can I just end on this one, sir? I want to make one more point about Sarah and Abram, and then I'll, I'll be done. I promise I'll close in prayer. You ready? One more point though. Did you notice that Sarah and Abram both, they both fell into the same trap that we do by thinking that God's promise wasn't really for them? Abram said, maybe it's Eleazar. Maybe he'll be the heir. Maybe he'll be the the one to get the inheritance. Here's Abram that God made the promise directly to him. And he said, maybe it's this other guy. Maybe it's Eleazar. Sarah, one chapter later, she does the exact same thing. Maybe the problem is me. Will you listen to this? God's promise is for you. 
I mean you. You say, no, well, I mean, you don't know what I've done, pastor. I know I don't know what you've done, but God does. And God has made a promise that if you will call on his name, he'll save you. Would you be willing to do that right now? Would you be willing to be saved by putting your faith in him? He'll save you. That's, do you understand that? Put your faith in him. It's nothing that you do. It's everything that he'll do. You try to do something, you're digging a hole. You only get stuck a little further, but you put your faith in him and he'll pull you out. Let's all stand up on our feet and go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you and we just thank you so much that you're willing to save us. Father, it is a true statement to say that you have pulled us from the miry clay. Father, I, as a matter of fact, you didn't just pull us from miry clay, you pulled us from quicksand. And God, we need your salvation. And so we're so grateful right now in this moment, we just want to say thank you that you've offered it to us. And God, would you take this time of invitation and would you just do with it your will? Father, I pray right now that if there's somebody that doesn't know you, that they've never trusted you, that they've never followed you, God, would you please right now, would you please grab them and draw them unto yourself? Lord, I've, I've probably talked too long and I probably said some stupid stuff, but would you work right now in this moment regardless of whatever else has happened? And would you draw us unto you? And if somebody needs to be saved, Father, would you make that, would you make that right right now? So Lord, we ask you for this time of invitation to do with it your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you made it all the way through the sermon. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Don't forget you can find all of our sermons at saltandlightbaptist.com slash media. You can join us live on Sunday morning on Facebook or at saltandlightbaptist.com slash live. We'll see you next week.